Good morning, church. We are in a series of summer baggage. And let's have a moment of honesty. We, we all bring with us baggage from the past. We all carry with us stuff that has happened to us, things that we have done to other people. We have regrets. We have issues going on in our hearts, our minds, our world. And we just want to finish the summer off being really, really honest with ourselves, with God. And guess what? We get to be honest with others too, that we're not alone with the baggage that we carry. So would you do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and say, you got baggage. Let them know. You got baggage. You got baggage, yo. You got baggage. You got baggage. And there's two types of people, people that know they got it and those that pretend like they ain't got nothing happening, right? Nothing's wrong. I'm fine. And uh, believe it or not, I know this is going to be hard to believe, but we, we might be tempted, right? Uh, the, the longer that we're in church, the more that we're surrounded with, with believers to put on our happy face Sunday mask, right? And masquerade around. Everything's fine. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. The only problem is we're not good and it's not okay. And if we can't be an honest in church, where can we be honest? So we, we've looked at a few topics. We've looked at this topic of anxiety and fear, worry, our first week in our series. Uh, we've looked at this idea of a of feeling that we are all alone. And many of us are struggling not just with a little bit of doubt about God's goodness, a little bit of doubt about his word, a little bit of doubt about the, the future and if I'm enough. But this week, this might be the, the deep dive. This might be the, the biggest suitcase of them all that we're carrying. And we're going to be looking at this topic of despair, a baggage of, of hopelessness, discouragement. For some of us, we've been in seasons not just that we were a little discouraged, but so discouraged we didn't think the cloud was going to lift. We didn't think the darkness was going to lighten. We, we may have been to a place that Scripture clarifies of despair, despair. In our culture, we might say despairing of life altogether, that we're suicidal, that we just want to end it. We want it to be over, that there is no hope. Do you think that's an issue in our culture? I hope you're shaking your head. You better believe it is. Do you believe that this topic is not just out there, but it's, it's in here, the things that we face? the seasons we go through. I believe God's got a word for us today as we look at Psalm 27, and we're going to be looking at this, Psalm 27, 13. I figure the, the amount of time that we have, we, we can't make it through a whole psalm. We, well, I think we can make it through a verse. Okay. Do, you think, do you think we could do that? All right, everybody say, you can do it. All right, yeah, yeah, here we go. So our baggage problem, our baggage problem of despair, what's the biblical promise? What's the biblical promise? The promise is that, that God is good. That God is good. Not just that he's near, but that he's good. He's up close, personal, and he's bringing goodness with him. So here's the bold proclamation we can make. If you are a follower of Jesus, you can make this proclamation. You can stand firm, you can speak up loud, and you can say, I will not despair. I will not despair. No matter what happens to me, no matter what I go through, no matter how I'm feeling, no matter if there is no light at the end of the tunnel, I will not despair. I will not despair. I will not despair. And if this is not for you, it's a message for somebody close to you that you can be sent as a messenger to speak life and hope into the heart, into the darkness of someone nearby. And so let's, let's read that together. Psalm 27, 13, if you have your outline to be ready to dive in, be taking some notes, but let's read that together. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so just right there, we're, we're going to be breaking this down this morning as we consider this topic of despair. If you're, if you're taking notes, before we pray and dive into this, I just want to get clear. We, we want clarity. Everybody say clarity. Here we, here we go. We, we want a definition. We want to know what, what are we talking about with despair. Here's the most succinct definition I could find. Emptied of any positive expectation. Emptied of any positive expectation. As you think about your future, as you look down the road, as, as you think about where you're headed, have you been in a place where you're just drained, emptied of any expectation of the future? Despair. Uh, think, thanks to Mr. Thesaurus, here we go. Despondent, discouraged, gloomy, melancholy, misery, pain, sorrow, anguish, afflicted, cursed, tormented, undone, darkness, anguish, dejected, tortured, grieving, depressed, sad, dismayed, dreadful, wretched, downhearted, downcast, desperation. Despair is not reality necessarily. It's not reality. But the person who lives there, they're fully convinced that that is their only reality. And so a, a couple quotes that I found, some of my, my favorite peeps. Here we go. John Piper says, one of the great enemies of hope is forgetting God's promises. Do you think that's relevant in the series? Forgetting God's promises. We, we want hope. We want more hope, more hope. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got hope. I don't know. There's hope. There's hope. How about this? Scott Hubbard said, take courage. The clouds that cover you this year may be darker than any have you, you have yet known. They may linger long. They may seem to blot out the sun, but God knows how to take even these clouds. Through them work wonders so marvelous, so unlooked for that they leave us on our knees in worship. Everybody say that's good. That and Judah Smith says this, difficult situations and wrong choices conspire to trap us in hopelessness. Did you catch both of those? I, I love Judah's honesty about the reasons for despair may not just be difficult situations. It may be, I chose a path. I went down this dark, dark road and difficult situations along with wrong choices. Are you trapped in hopelessness? If you haven't been, you may be entering a season, and if it's not near, it may be far off, but are you prepared? And as a church, we want to be prepared to walk through any darkness, any discouragement, any despair, God's way, God's new way. Here we go. What creates this intensity, this long, long season of desperation, of hopelessness, of despair? Well, I mean, every good preacher needs to bring with them a, a good bottle of lighter fluid, just, on, I mean, on occasion, right? And so no children will be harmed in, in the uh, illustration this morning. If you think about accelerance, accelerance, right? Anybody, anybody got a good grasp of what an accelerant is? If you have no clue what, what Webster says about accelerant, all you have to do is stand by the smallest of flame with a bottle of this in your hand, and you'll find out what accelerants do. They make little things real big, real fast. It's not just that we go through hard stuff. It's just that there's certain aspects of living in a broken world that accelerates the darkness, the depression, the despair. And so let's talk about three, okay? One is, if you're taking notes, blindsided. Have you ever been blindsided? I don't know how many stories we have in this room alone of I was, I was sitting at a stoplight minding my own business when out of nowhere, right, blindsided 
there are things that happen to us that are hard enough, but if we were able to prepare for it, embrace ourselves, maybe it would have been experienced differently. But for some of us, we could testify, I didn't see it coming. I never saw it coming. And it makes it hard and then harder when out of nowhere you were blindsided with the news, right? Or the conversation. I was on the phone with somebody this past week about uh, having a normal family gathering as they usually do and expecting there to be excitement about some news that was brought up and that there's going to be a move and it's going to be a positive thing. And the family members on the other end receiving that news uh, ended up wanting to have that dinner because they were going to persecute them for an hour straight about how selfish they were about moving away and how dare them and family members that they loved and served for years and cared for all of a sudden, I, I thought we were just having dinner. And, and this is like an intervention and like condemnation from a pastor and family that our family members accusing and condemning uh, didn't see it coming. What does that do? It does some damage, right? So blindsided, that, that might be one. You may be in a season like that of I didn't see this coming. What about this intensity level? If you just think about hard is already hard, but all of a sudden, it's not getting hard than lighter. It's like the dial is being cranked up. And is this going to get any easier? And, and are we going to see any kind of relief soon? You might be going through it even right now. Like, how hard is this going to get? The intensity keeps ramping up. I don't know if I can endure this season, right, because of intensity. How about this absolute finality? This is a hard one. I don't have another chance to have the conversation because they're gone. There's something about death that is permanent, that is final. There's nothing more that can, can be done about this. There's no going back. There's no hitting reset, restart, right? For some of us, whether it's death of a loved one, whether it's death of a dream, whether it's death of what you thought your marriage was going to be, what parenting was going to be, what your home life was going to be, all the dreams that you thought retirement was going to be. Like, it's going to be this way, and I've prepared for so long, and then it's over. And, like, there's no going back, and there's no getting back to where you were. It's final, and there's got to be a new normal. I don't know what your thing is, but these, these are accelerants that do not allow us the opportunity to even take a breath. So what do we do? What do you do in those situations? If you're taking notes, jot this down. Number one, let's read the first part of Psalm 23 or 27, 13 again. I would have despaired unless I had believed. Believed. Everybody say believed. There it is. Believed. I would have despaired unless, unless, unless I had believed. Belief, trust, confidence. That's the only thing that is keeping me from despairing, the psalmist says. Do you think that faith is a big deal? We, we talk about faith a lot. Do you have faith? And my faith is different than your faith. And faith, the reality is we're talking about a full confidence in what God has said, taking him at his word. We're in a series on God's promises, right? Do we believe the promises he has made? Well, the psalmist here is saying uh, despair is the only option unless, everybody say unless, unless I believe. If, if I do not believe, I'm going down, I'm a sinking ship. Have you ever felt totally helpless? There's nothing that you can do, and you're going to find yourself in a free fall at some point where you, you can't grasp for any kind of help, any kind of slowing down. Jot this down. When you can't do anything at all, you let God do all his work. When you can't do anything at all, I need to let God. I need to let God do all his work. Do you believe that 
God is doing a work when we feel like he has left. Do you know that God is doing something great? He's, his goodness is coming towards us when it feels like life is anything but great. That we believe in God's promises, not how we feel, not our circumstances, right? Isaiah 30, 15, For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning, Isaiah said, returning back to God, resting in Him, you will be saved. In Here it is. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. And do you know what Isaiah said to God's wayward people? He said, but you were unwilling. You were unwilling. Isn't that some of the saddest words to read? God is saying, come rest. Come rest. Come, come to me and find hope, find encouragement. Quiet your noisy soul and come to me. And Isaiah was broken over God's people, calling them to come home. And what was the response? No, I'm not doing it. I'm doing it my way. They were despairing of life itself. They were suffering from consequences of their own choices. All they had to do was turn and come back to him. And they said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm going to find peace. I'm going to find satisfaction. I'm going to find joy somewhere else in the world. They never found it until they returned. Exodus 14, I love this. Moses saying to the people, and we started our series with this, fear not, fear not. He says, fear not to the people. Stand firm. Don't be moved. Don't be blown around. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you. He's, he's going to do the work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, right? They're running for their lives, being chased down. He's like, you see them now? God says, guess what I'm going to do with them? You're not going to see them again. What does God do with those that are against us, with circumstances that are against us? For a season, testing. For a season, being chased down. And then what? God says, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to, take it. I'm going to do it for you. Believe it. Believe it. How about this? Psalm 4610, this might be already on a, a keychain that you have or a bumper sticker or one of your mugs. I don't know if you got 4610 memorized, but be still and know that I am God. If you haven't memorized that yet, today's the day, right? It's God's will for you to memorize at least the beginning of Psalm 4610. Be still, be quiet, slow, listen, know, confidence, know that I am God. It doesn't stop there. He says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Could, could, we, could we just get a, a little commentary on the cries of God's people and the call of God's prophets for God's people to come home? Can we clarify something? That we make our life and our situation all about us. And our thing becomes the thing and we can't even see anything else and over and over again, this is what God says. The reason that we be still, the reason that we quiet ourselves, the reason that we open our ears to listen to God is because he is telling us, I'm doing a work around the globe in all nations. Your thing is not the thing. Your thing is not the most horrific thing. Your darkness is not the darkest. I am at work all around the world, and I am raising up people, worshipers, of the one true God. This is, this is really good news for us when all we can see is right in front of us, my problem, my issue, my sadness, right? My grieving. And how helpful is it? God, give me perspective. Help me to quiet myself so that I can get perspective that you're at work all around the world and you are caring for every single person 
that is yours. Your people have your ear. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, just, just to think, any given moment, the number of needs, the number of hurts, the number of prayers, and guess what God's doing? Perfectly listening and answering every single one, every single second, every single day, throughout history since the creation of man. Turn to your neighbor and say that's pretty impressive. All right. So in your darkest hour, in your darkest time, that God is good and he has goodness for you. Here we go. Number two, I would have despaired unless I had believed, believed that I would do what? That I would see, that I would see. What is it that there is to be seen? And I, I'm just thinking to myself, how blind we are to not see what God is already doing, what he's currently doing. I, I, I don't know if you've been part of conversations recently. Can, can, I, can I do a, a church brag for a second? Is that all right? A humble brag, right? Here's a humble brag, humble brag. I find myself walking by conversations that are happening among our church. And it probably looks like I'm not paying attention. I see everything, all right? And as I'm walking by or stepping into conversations or overhearing or, or having beautiful conversations with people that, are, that we call family, right? That we are a family. Do you know what's happening? There's a consistency of God is at work. God is at work. Do you see it? Do you see it? Are you seeing this? Do you know why this is so crucial to God's people being God's people? Because we have a tendency, maybe me, just me, just me, maybe, probably not you, to not see what's really obvious, to, to not see and pay attention to where God is at work and what God is doing because all I can do is pay attention to my thing and my world and my problems and my troubles. If all that is going on, everybody put your hand up right in front of your face. You can go throughout your day. You can be walking throughout life and you're like, yeah, but I got this thing, and I can't believe they said that, and I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm so depressed. I'm so discouraged. I just got the news. Me, 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 me. Guess what you're not seeing? There, there is a world where God is powerfully at work, and we need to be bragging on God every day. Did you, did you see this? Did you hear about this? God did this, and I can't believe it. And, and God, and God, and God, and God, because I need to see that God is doing a work when I feel like I can't see it. I can't see it. All I can see is the demise of my little world, right? The sinkhole, the black hole getting sucked in to my troubles and my trials and my problems and my feelings and my dread of the future. There's something beautiful about, God, make me believe. Make my heart believe again. Help me to see. Help me to see what is right in front of me. You're there and you're good, God. You're good. And I want to talk about it, and I want to share it, and I want to spread it, and I can't keep it to myself. Would we continue to be a church like that? Would we, would we continue to fan the flame of God's goodness and seeing it and savoring and tasting it and loving it and sharing it and spreading it, that, that this would be our passion, that this would grow into just our MO. It's just what we do. It's just every time we're opening our mouths, it's like complaining, murmuring, cynical, negative. No, 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 no. God, I see you. God, I see you at work. I see you in other people. I see you through your people. I see you at work in my family and in my workplace. I see you. I see you there. And I need to see it more and talk about it 
more. There's hope. There's hope there, right? So hopeful, so hopeful. Here we go. I would have despaired unless I believed, unless I had believed that, that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Pretty impressive, right? We, we, finished, the, we finished the verse, all right? Well done, well done, well done. I believe that I'm going to see. And what is it that I'm going to see? I'm going to see the goodness. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. Do we, do we need to clarify this? Not just someday in heaven, not just, I know when I die, everything will be better. I know if once I get out of here, no more sin, no more darkness, no more despair, no more suicidal thoughts, no more hopelessness, no more unmet expectations, letdowns, hurts, no more. It's going to be over on that day, finally. But did you notice what it says? Does it say, you are going to see the goodness of the Lord when you get to heaven? Is, it, is that what the psalmist believed? Well, I hope he believed that, but what did he say? What did he actually say? In the land of the living, before you get to heaven, you will see his goodness. I believe we would call that a promise. Anybody with me? Hey, truth by voting. Should we, should we take a vote on that? You will see the goodness of the Lord. You will see it in the here and now. It's not just going to get better in the new heavens and the new earth. It's not just going to get better after we die and we're with Jesus. It's going it's to be good here. Maybe not your definition of good. Maybe not playing out the way that you think goodness should look, but God's goodness, God's way. And here we go. I, I jotted this down. In my lifetime, I will see the goodness of the Lord. In my lifetime, I will. I will. I will. I will. Every say, I will. I will. I'm confident. I believe. Because I believed in God's promises, I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord here, now, in my lifetime. I'm going to see his goodness because God is always Help me out. God's always good. God's always good. When I don't see it, when I don't feel it, man, we, we should like sing a song about God's promises and that even if I don't feel it and I don't see it, should we, should we do that? Should we do that? I hope you've enjoyed, as a worship team, introducing new songs. And I know that new is scary, right? New is intimidating, okay? okay. New is good because God's doing a new thing in revealing that his promises to me, it doesn't matter how I feel, it doesn't matter what I'm seeing in my own lenses my my own perspective i get to see the goodness of god here now it's coming it's coming soon it's coming soon i i wrote this down whether i feel it whether i see it it's true because by faith i choose i choose i choose to believe i choose to believe i will see that i will see the goodness of the lord i choose everybody say i choose i choose i choose i make a decision every day of what i'm going to see what i'm going to believe what I'm going to meditate on. Do you believe that? Do you believe you have control over your mind? If you don't, let's talk afterwards because I, I don't know what kind of mind control is going on. I don't, I don't know who's got a hold of you. Um, the reality is you choose what's going on in your mind. You choose your thought life. Maybe it's been years and years and decades and decades of the same thoughts and the ruts are deep and it's hard to get out that it's all badness. All I'm seeing is the badness of Satan, the badness of Satan, the badness of people, the badness of people. But today could be different. Today could be the day that you can be set free, that you can start believing the goodness of God here and now and that have eyes to see it. Here, here we go. I wrote a couple things down. God's goodness. Here we go. If you're taking notes, let's talk about God's goodness. God's goodness is something that he longs for me to experience. Do you know that? Do you, do you believe that? God longs for me to experience this. He doesn't just well, I mean, if you want, if you want to kind of know intellectually a little bit of my goodness, that, that's cool. He longs for you to experience his goodness. Psalm 34, 8. 
Maybe this will be on your next three-by-five card that you'll put in your bathroom mirror or in your car, in your pocket, in your wallet. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's say that together. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And it goes on to say, blessed is the man, is the woman who takes refuge in him. Run for safety. Blessed, blessed. God's goodness is the eventual conclusion, eventual conclusion of every generation of his followers. Eventual, eventual. I feel like that's an important word. Eventually it's coming. Well, when? When, 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 then? Now, now, I want it now, I want it now. Eventual, it's coming soon to a life near you if you're a follower of Jesus, yours. When God says it's time, it's coming, right? Because he's doing something good in the waiting, something that's better than you having it right now. I, I believe that. I choose to believe that. And he wants me to experience his goodness. He wants me to realize the conclusion of every generation. Psalm 100, verse 5, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Let's say that together. The Lord is good. One more time. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures for a short time and then fizzles up. Oh, wrong translation. Sorry. The Lord is good and His steadfast love endures forever. Do you believe that? It does not stop. It cannot quit. His steadfast love, His goodness is forever. His faithfulness to just the past generations and now all the future generations have gone to pot, man. What are the promises that God has laid out? Every generation, His love is going to endure. His goodness is going to return again and again Every generation has an opportunity to taste and see that the Lord is good and to know that his love really does endure forever. Awesome, awesome news. That's good news. God's goodness is infused in everything he does. Well, I don't feel like that. Yeah, your feelings lie. Welcome to church. I don't know if we need some, some truth time, but I don't feel like what God's doing is good. I know. And your feelings deceive you every single day. Your feelings have been impacted by the fall of man, what we call original sin and volitional sin. Because of Adam and Eve, my feelings are broken. Because of me choosing the wrong way, my feelings are broken. I can know that God is good. Even if everything around me feels horrible and everything inside of me feels terrible, even though nothing's going the way I planned, even though my dreams have been hijacked. Even though there's death and suffering and trials, God is good. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? That God is good. I, I cannot trust my emotions right now because they're deceiving me. I trust in God's word. And, and some of you know my, my story of everything in the struggle of God is good in everything. And I'm going to tell it in a second. I want to say this. The next point is, God's goodness is not immediately apparent. Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who, who seeks him. So transparency time, the season that I went through before coming here was the darkest season of my life. And I've been in some dark places. I've been in some really dark places as a, rebel of God, but God took me through a season as a follower that is called to trust. And so when you hear stories of pastors committing suicide and pastors that uh, are clinically depressed 
I, I didn't believe it. It was like, if you got Jesus, you got the Holy Spirit. I don't understand. Like, you can fight through this, right? You can overcome. And I know the feelings, the emotions, they're strong. I know the darkness doesn't, doesn't clear up. But for three years of my life, and some of that, much of that was actually as a pastor preaching. I, I wake up at 3 a.m. Every, every Sunday. I have for a really, really long time. And driving to my church in Utah, I would weep the whole way to church, bawling my eyes out. And like, the wipers ain't, ain't helping the situation, right? And I'm just like, what is going on? What is this, right? Like, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to do what God's calling me to do. I'm trying to speak the truth. And, and everything around me just falling apart and accusations and everything, division. And, just, and I'm like, I can't, I can't handle this. I can't handle what's happening inside of me. And I can't stuff it down. And I can't move on. And that started years long of any time I would walk into a room alone, if it was empty, I'm just like, just burst into tears. I'm like, what, is this like a, a lifetime show that I'm like, I'm living in? I'm like, what is going on? I would, every time I would do laundry, I'd walk downstairs, stand in front of the washer and dryer and just weep for 10 minutes and then start doing laundry. I'm like, what, what is this? What is this? And the darkness of year after year, of it's not getting better and it's not getting lighter and it's not going away, that there were not just a few moments, but there was a lot of moments of, God, what, do you, what are you doing? Why, are you messing with me? What is it that's happening right now? Am I living in sin? What, what is going on? And I was finally going through a season where going through books and, and going through podcasts and, and listening to Scripture all day long, every day for, for months. And, and then hearing news about uh, my, my dad going into deeper, deeper dementia and he doesn't know who I am and we don't know how much longer he's going to live. And, and then moving away from our job and like not, we, Sarah and I didn't have jobs and we're like, we don't know what we're supposed to do. And then moving across the country for the umpteenth time. And it's just like, things are not getting better. The, the, the circumstances are magnifying everything that's going on inside of me. And there were weeks and weeks and weeks of, God, you are not good. This is evil, what you're doing to me. You are wrong to not just bring me here, but leave me here and abandon me and reject me. God, you are, I can't hear you. I, I can't listen to anything. Every time I'd listen, I tried listening to preaching during different times, and I would just turn it off because I'd be like, this preacher doesn't believe what he's preaching. Like, like I can't even listen to this. I don't, I don't believe this. And then trying to open my Bible again and again and be like, God, make me believe again because I do not believe. And I don't want to walk away from the faith. And I can't, I can't do this any longer. And until I walk through a season of lament, of actually living for a season of grieving, ungrieved losses, because here, here's some news for us. All of life, especially leadership and especially ministry, is a series of ungrieved losses. When every day and every week and every month and every year, it's loss, 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 failure, failure, right? People walk away, lie, deceive, leave, abandon, accuse, loss, loss, loss. What do you do with all that? And it builds up and it builds up and you can be chipper and happy and optimistic and We'll get through this and stuff it down until you can't, right? Until you can't anymore. And so walking through, especially this psalm, 
being able to believe again. God, make me believe that I would see your goodness. And even up until the point that I interviewed here, it's like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be in ministry again. I don't even know if I can do it again. And so in part of my journey of darkness, can I say thank you as a church that this has been a place of healing, of hope giving, that God's not done, and that there's goodness to, to be seen and to be experienced, and I didn't believe it. And here's, here's the passage that we just read, Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. And I don't know how long you've been waiting, but keep going. There may not be answers tomorrow. There may not be clarity as to why, but wait, wait for him. And here's, here's the last one as we think about God's goodness. God's goodness is a refuge, and he knows me intimately. The Lord is good, Nahum 1.7 says, a stronghold. He, he's like a, a castle. He, he's like a fortress. In the day of trouble, I run to him under attack because he knows who takes refuge in him. He knows. He knows. If you're a follower of Jesus, he, he knows you intimately, personally, and he's crazy about you. And he, he has his arms open saying, come, enter, enter in. This is where refuge, this is where safety, this is where hope is to be experienced. Come, come. And that we would believe this. My best days are ahead of me. My best days are ahead of me, not behind. They're not behind me. I choose to believe the best is yet to come. I choose to believe the best is yet to come. And I, I just want to end with this. Just some final thoughts as we land the plane. Everybody say land the plane. There we go. As we land the plane, I, I want us to consider this, this word that's an interesting word. So if you're taking notes, just write this down. What am I supposed to do when the darkness doesn't lift? What am I supposed to do? Here's the word, lament, lament, lament. Did you know that over 70% of all of the psalms are psalms of lament? They're psalms of lament. If seven out of every 10 top hits of Israel, a lot of them by David, are weeping and crying out for help in desperation, seven out of 10, maybe we should like pay attention to that a little bit, right? I don't know if you turn on K-Love, but I, I would say 9.8 out of 10 are poppy happy chipper, all right? Um, they, a lot of artists are not reading the Psalms. They're not gathering their fodder for future worship hits from the Psalms, the original songbook of God's people. But I just think this is such a powerful point for us to slow down and just ask, what do I do as I wait in the darkness? I lament, I lament. I pray in pain that leads to trust. I don't pray when the pain is over. I don't I don't start praying after God finally lets up and we move into a good season and a happy, happier ending. In the midst of the pain, in the pain. Everybody say in the pain. It's in the pain. It's while you're in the darkness. It's while you are at rock bottom that you pray for trust when you feel like there's no hope to be had. Did you know that only God's people can do this? Only God's people can truly lament that we can weep and trust at the same time that we can feel hopeless and yet cling to hope at the same time i don't know if you have this written down but only god's people have a prayer language for wrestling through the mess of living in a deeply broken and wickedly sinful world 
Lament invites me to take my pain, sorrow, grief, frustration, and disillusionment to God. To God. That's where I take it. Lament leads me on a journey in which I reaffirm my trust in him alone. So can we do this? Four things. If, if, you, if you didn't pay any attention and you just woke up, welcome. You're at church. Okay. Um, so here, here are the four things that you want to take with you. Okay. The four, the four steps that if you're not there now, you will be soon. What do I do when the, the darkness doesn't lift? And hopefully these, are, these will be helpful. Is this a cure, an answer? Not necessarily, but God used this in my life. Turn. Turn, confess, ask, and trust. So how do I lament? I turn. I refuse to give God the silent treatment. I won't do it. I choose to intentionally talk to God in my mess, even when hope feels distant. Even if that means that you're driving in your car, cussing out God, blaming him for all of this, venting and dumping, that you're not turning away, but you're turning to him, right? Because he already knows. He already knows. He just wants you to open up your mouth and agree that you're acknowledging, you know that you're in a mess and you're in the dark, that you would turn, you would turn, that you would confess, dump on God what is really wrong. The blunter, the better. I will speak to God boldly and often about the circumstances that don't seem to fit with what I know about God. I won't vent sinful anger, but instead, I humbly and honestly talk to God about my raw emotions, fear, worry, confusion, doubt, frustration. I confess it. I get real honest. I agree with God. I ask. I ask. Plead for deliverance. I will ask God for help with boldness based on his glorious promises and I will live out God's truth in my painful situation with expectation that his purposes for the trials and suffering be made clear. Have you ever been in a season where God, help me understand. Show me. Show me what's going on. Show me why this is happening. That you would ask. That you would ask God, God, please make this go away. Make this stop. Make this get better. Help me understand. God wants you to ask. And then lastly, what do I do after all of this? Because all this is messy, right? And the last one, trust. Trust. What does trusting do for us? Between me and God, it strengthens my confidence in God's trustworthiness. That's the goal. That's the ultimate goal is my trust would go deeper. I don't know if you need a resource right now if you have any type of inkling desire to either go through a season go through a process where you're going deeper in this area of lament where you are turning your your despair into at least looking for a lifeline growing towards hope this is the best best book i know is dark clouds deep mercy the the speaker pastor mark uh, was at the conference that a number of us went to in indiana and February. So you have an opportunity to go every February. We'll go for a whole week. And a number of these authors have gone through horrific things. Uh, Pastor Mark himself specifically lost a daughter. And the horrors of being a pastor ministering to thousands of people in his congregation going through all kinds of hurt and pain while he himself learned how to grieve the loss of a child. And then he put it into a book of his journey. And then he even created a devotional journal of step-by-step how to actually walk through and journal and document. And I don't know what it is for you, but this is incredibly helpful. Dark clouds, deep mercy. So if you're interested, let me know, but hop on Amazon and, and find it. But I would say, I would say this, let's stand together. And as we stand, I know this is a 
heavy topic. I know this is maybe super relevant to some and for others. Maybe we're just not in the thick of it. We're not in the midst of it. But know that somebody close to you is going through something that you may not understand. You may not uh, have walked in their, in their shoes before, but that God would give you words and give you help and hope to pass on to them. So as the worship team comes up, I just want to pray I want to pray over us. So if we just bow our heads and just close our eyes, and I just, I really, I want to ask the question, I mean, if you'd be willing, without anybody looking around, just to, to raise your hand if, if you would say, this message is for me. I needed to hear this. I'm in the midst of something that I, I feel like I'm losing hope and I'm discouraged. Uh, would you raise your hand? Would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. All, all around the room. God, we, we, are, we are a joyful people because of Jesus, but Father, you know all throughout history, your people have been a sorrowful, grieving, hurting people. So God, thank you for the Psalms. I pray that we would be a church that would, that would love to read and meditate and journal the Psalms, that, that the Psalms would be words for our emotions, for our experiences. And God, right now, especially for those that have raised their hands, God, we need help. We need you. For so many of us, this is not the story we signed up for. This is not the dream that we desired. We're living a life that we never thought we would be in. Going through circumstances we never thought we would have to experience. And God, the things that we carry with us every day that are so heavy, we want to acknowledge them. We want to look to you. We want to confess them. We want to ask that you would be our help. And God, when, when we feel alone, remind us that you are with us. When we feel invisible, God, remind us that you see us. And when we feel totally worthless, such a failure, remind us that our value is knowing you and being known by you more than anything else. That we often feel out of place in this world, that we don't fit in, that we're not sure even what we want or what's going to satisfy. God, would you remind us, this world is not our home. This is not permanent. This is for a very brief time. And as your, as your children, remind us we're never going to fit in and you're not done yet. God, would you give us a desire for hope and life and a future and that when we feel like we don't matter, that you would remind us that we were created for a purpose. And when we don't know or understand even why we feel the way we do, why we're so down and why it's so dark and why we're so discouraged that you would remind us that you know the depths of the pain that we experience. You know what, you know what it's like in our bodies to feel the way we feel. You, you know in our soul and our heart the way that, that we are in such pain and turmoil. You know us better than we know ourselves. And yet you love us. You love us. So God, as a church, remind us the life you've given us, it's not for us to take, it's for us to surrender. So we surrender to you even in despair, even in the struggle of wanting to, to end it or wanting this, this darkness to be over. Remind us that we can trust you when we don't understand. And Jesus, you came to the earth, you died, you rose again, not for us to live a defeated, discouraged, despairing life. You did it all to help us desire to live life fully in you to find our hope completely and only in you. And so we pray that you would do what only you can do, that you would lift our eyes, that we would see 
that you are good, that you are good always, and that you are not done yet. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.